Hi, my name's Roger, and I'm one of the leaders of the church. Welcome to our opportunity of worshipping together at Dorchester Community Church. It's been quite a week for ourselves as a nation, hasn't it? Three things in particular really have kind of hit the uh, uh, the headlines. There's been the funeral yesterday of Philip, which I dare say many of you uh, watched. There's also been the reopening of shops, restaurants, hairdressing salons and the like. Some of the ladies particularly are really appreciating that. But thirdly, of course, there's been the reopening of Dorchester Community Church. And you could just tell there's some people here, so we are thrilled to be here. But I gather there's still quite a little bit of confusion over the whole senses of um, of whether or not we can go in, use a pub and things like that. So to help us be a little bit clearer, um, hope the following guidelines will help you. You can go inside a pub in order to go outside and then sit inside a covered area so long as it's outside. You can go inside to pay, but you must stay outside to drink. If you need the toilet, you can go inside, so there is no need for you to go outside, even though you will have been sitting outside. If you do go inside to use the toilet, you can't buy a drink whilst inside, even though you intend to take it back outside with you. Staff will go inside to get your drink, and then they will bring it outside to you, regardless of whether or not you are sat outside or sat inside a covered area, which, of course, is outside. If it rains, you can go inside, but you can stay inside the outside covered area. When you choose to leave, you can go inside the pub in order to get outside again, in order to get home and be back inside again. Clearly, there has been so much that has been unclear, even though it was thought that the advice given was quite clear. So it is hoped that this explanation clears up anything that may well have not been clear. If things still remain unclear, then clear your mind and simply read through these guidelines again in order to be more clear. This should enable what has been unclear to become more clear. It has been recognised that things were not always communicated as clearly as they might have been. And so some things that may have become, or that may have been clear, became in fact less clear and more unclear. Once you are clear on all of these guidelines, it's simply a matter of following them. Hopefully you will find that all of this is very straightforward there we go so crystal clear well I hope that even though you weren't able to sing you were able to enter into the worship of God there and wasn't it somewhat provocative that that first song had as that refrain sing a little louder (laughs) I can't believe that you chose that (laughs) That's his warped sense of humour. But of course, if you're watching from home, then you can completely let rip, can't you? And I trust that you indeed did. We're looking at this subject today called the Bible. What's the point? Hopefully we'll discover that there is one by the end of our time together. Years ago, the British agnostic Thomas Huxley had to leave early one morning to go from one speaking assignment to another. So he got into his horse into a horse-drawn taxi to go to the train station. He assumed that the hotel doorman had told the driver of the carriage where they were going. So when he got in, he simply said to the driver, "Drive fast." 
off they went. After a short while, Huxley, as he was looking around, realised that they were actually going in completely the opposite direction from the train station. He yelled to the driver, Do you know where you're going? Without looking back, the driver simply replied, No, sir, but I'm driving as fast as I can. (laughs) It doesn't do much good, does it, to drive or to go as fast as we can in the wrong direction. And yet many people, dare I say it, even Christians as well, at times can be like that. Going full speed ahead in a particular direction that isn't all that helpful. Not maybe stopping or pausing to think and evaluate where we are going. As God's people, we've got to live in line with God's purpose for us. We ought to know where we are indeed going. We're going to look at John's purpose statement for writing his gospel. If you've got a Bible at home, do uh, turn to the New Testament and the fourth of those gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. We're looking at the end of John's gospel in chapter 20. First, he illustrates the uh, the purpose with the story of Thomas, known as Doubting Thomas. Thomas has his doubts cleared up as he has this incredible meeting with the risen Lord Jesus. And at the end of that, he says, my Lord and my God, and we can sense him falling to his needs. But John then follows that account by making it plain what the purpose was in writing his gospel. And that's in verses 30 and 31. So we're going to listen now to these words from John chapter 20, as read to us by James. Hello. Today's reading is from John chapter 20, starting at verse 24. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Thank you, James. To sum up, the aim of John's Gospel is that we would believe and worship in the risen Saviour. Isn't it great to worship God? And that's frustrating here to not fully let rip with our voices. But nonetheless, to all be together, to read those words and to be ministered to us in song is incredible. So thanks, guys, for that. When John wrote his gospel, he was very advanced in age. He had plenty of time to relive the events surrounding the birth 
life, ministry, death and resurrection of Jesus. There are around about 36 uh, miracles recorded in the Gospels. John's Gospel takes seven of these, plus the resurrection for us to consider. Now, who's going to let me know some of those seven miracles that appear in John's Gospel? You're allowed to shout these up. As long as you don't sing the answer, you're okay. So, some of the miracles in John's Gospel, nice and loud from where you are. The wine, the wine, yeah, that's <laughs> the water into wine. You're absolutely right. Who else? That was the first one, wasn't it? At the, the wedding at Cana in John chapter 2. That's right, the crippled man, you're absolutely right, by the pool that was in John when Jesus healed a paralyzed man, John chapter 5. Anybody, anybody else? Think of any others? Mm, I've not got that here, actually, but you, we can debate that afterwards. This is, this is what I've got here. I've also got that Jesus healed the royal official's son in John chapter 4. We've got uh, that Jesus feeds the 5,000 in John chapter 6. Jesus in the storm on the lake where he walks on the water. And then Jesus healing the blind man in John chapter 9. And then you've got that incredible healing where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11. Some verses of which from that chapter were used in the funeral yesterday of Prince Philip, you may well remember. Bernard Ram, one commentator, says these words. He says, he says, if the raising of Lazarus was actually witnessed by John and recorded faithfully by him, when, <clears throat> when still in soundness of faculties and memories, for purposes of evidence, it is the same as if we were there and saw it. But the question for us is this, do we believe this? That was the challenge that Sarah brought the kids, but it's actually a challenge that each and every one of us ought to face. When we read these accounts, miracle after miracle, how do we respond to what we read? Many people, Christians included, can have a problem when it comes to some of the miracles in the Bible. I love the story that I came across uh, this week where one little boy asked his dad, who just preached on Jonah and the big fish, and he said this, these words to his dad. He said, Daddy, do you really believe that a man could be swallowed by a fish and stay alive for three days? The father replied, well, if God could create the universe out of nothing, if he could create all the creatures of the sea out of nothing, and if he could form man from the dust of the earth and breathe life into him, then yes, God, I'm sure, would have had the power to make a great big fish that would have been uh, large enough to swallow a man and keep him alive for three days. The little boy paused and then simply said, ah, well, if you're going to bring God into it, that's completely different. <laughs> but that's the key, isn't it? Whether or not we choose to bring God into it, when we think of that which we read. Those who have a problem with miracles fundamentally have a problem with God. It's important that we understand John's purpose in referring to the miracles he lists as David's already cited, there could have been loads of others that he could have drawn upon, but he chose just those seven, as well as the historical account of the resurrection. 
He uses words with many other miraculous signs in the presence of disciples. That many other signs literally means miracles with a message. I like that. And that message was always a pointer to Jesus and who he was. Why? That we might believe. Or as can be translated, that we might continue to believe. And I don't think it's one or the other, really. I think the two go hand in hand. We're meant to read and then come to faith, but then to go on believing. And maybe for some of us, we need that reminder that that which we began to believe in the beginning, God's wanting us to actually continue to hold on to that and to believe. But what about miracles elsewhere in Scripture? Well, Israel was brought into existence by a series of miracles. The law was given by supernatural wonders. Many of the of the prophets were identified as God's spokesmen and women by the power uh, to perform miracles. Jesus came not only preaching, but performing miracles. And we've alluded uh, to those in John. The apostles from time to time would have performed and worked uh, wonders. It was practiced within the early church. They saw stuff happening and got excited. There was that sense of awe in the miraculous uh, going on. It was the miracles back then that were authenticating the Christian faith at every point. So if we've got a problem with miracles, we end up having a problem with God. We've got a problem with Jesus and we've got a problem with the word of God. There's not a great deal left, is there? If you kind of cut all that stuff out. So I thought, let's not just sort of brush over miracles because there are some things that maybe we need to think through and there are some uh, potential pitfalls here as well. So we took time out this week uh, to invite a comment from Professor Terence of Pambury Theological Seminary who spoke to us about some of those pitfalls. Uh, Yes, thank you, uh, David. Um, There there are some intrinsic problems uh, with, with miracles uh, firstly, it's important to mention about deception. Uh, Satan, of course, is the great uh, counterfeiter. Uh, always has been, uh, continues that today, and always will be. Uh, Paul uh, warned, of course, of, of, of satanic power uh, and influence in our, in our world. Satan seeks to deceive and blind people's eyes to the truth uh, of the gospel. So we need to be discerning uh, as to whether or not something is or is not uh, of God. Um, uh, also, we need to be careful uh, not to promote uh, the miracle itself, uh, for no one is saved uh, by miracles. Uh, let's let's uh, re- re- remember that. Uh, salvation, at the end of the day, uh, David, is the greatest uh, of all signs, um, uh, and there's no saving power uh, in, in miracles, uh, of course. Uh, salvation is by faith and not by sight. Uh, remember Jesus said to Thomas, Blessed art thou, uh, as you have seen me, uh, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. 
faith is at the is a heart's uh, response to the character and nature of Jesus uh, Christ uh, as revealed in the scriptures. Um, so so there is the issue of the uh, problems of, of miracles in terms of deception. Uh, but the other thing is is worth to to, to th- consider uh, evaluating uh, miracles as well. Uh, one of my counterparts, um, an ecclesiastical uh, friend of mine, uh, said uh, that a miracle is a supernatural intrusion into the natural law uh, that can have no other explanation other than than that it is be, God himself is, is acting. Uh, so check the facts. Uh, often uh, people say that to, to question a miracle is to question God uh, himself. But if it cannot be tested, then it can't be trusted. Uh, worth noting uh, that one. Uh, check the focus. Uh, so does the miracle glorify Jesus or or, or, or is it glorifying an individual or maybe a, a, the latest fad or, or movement? Check the fruit. What happens uh, as a result of the miracle, uh, good or bad? Uh, remember, there were crowds that followed Jesus for the miracles, but it wasn't long before they did what? turned their backs on Jesus. Let's not do the same uh, and just chase uh, the the miracles. Um, Time, I think, to pause and worship the one who creates and gives those miracles from from time to time. Let's worship God. Let's return back to John chapter 20 and the author's reason or purpose in speaking about those signs or those miracles miracles. John reminds the reader that the signs were done in the presence of his disciples. The enemies of Jesus did not dispute the fact that those miracles took place. He makes it clear that there's much more evidence that could have been presented right at the end of John chapter 21. But he asserts that what has been presented is sufficient evidence to convince anyone of Jesus' divine nature. We can all of us make a reasonable and sound judgment on Jesus because of what John has written. And that's where faith comes in, isn't it? As that response to what we read. It's also where we need that sense of a touch of God's Holy Spirit to open our mind, open our eyes to that which we're able to see of who Jesus is. Miracles were never God's way of just showing off. Ta-da! Each of the seven miracles of John points us to Jesus as to who he is. They speak to us for the purpose that we might believe and also continue to believe that Jesus is the Christ. Familiar message, but as we return to meeting together, it's good for us to go back to basics and remind ourselves of that which we hold dear and that we know to be true, that we don't deviate from that. That is the point of God's word. And if we believe this, we must never ever forget it. So after this believing in Jesus, coming to that uh, decision we make, are we then suddenly perfect or do we continue to fail? And if we do, well, what should we do then? Do we need to do penance? Do we need to join a a monastery to deny ourselves common comforts, to merit some form of forgiveness? No, because then grace would not be grace. Paul speaks about that in Romans chapter 11. We should repent, yes, when we sin, we do wrong, we let God down, and we should indeed confess 
our sin to God. The psalmist, who was already a believer in God, did that in Psalm 51 and verse 17. says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. We must hold on to God's promises to forgive us our wrongdoing and cleanse us from all that stuff where whenever we have gone wrong. I love the verse in 1, uh, in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 that simply says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that great? Because that's not what we deserve, is it? And yet this speaks volumes for the God that we worship. So as Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2 and verse 1, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It was good to read this week of, of Prince Philip on one occasion uh, um, saying of himself and his queen have always been strong in their faith in Jesus Christ. Indeed, it was uh, uh, Prince Philip, I understand, who encouraged Her Majesty to include her own faith in those Christmas messages that we watch uh, year by year from year 2000 uh, onwards, where she's been a little bit more vocal about her own uh, personal faith experiencing that grace of God should lead us to believe in him and then to worship him. That is the purpose of John's gospel. It's the purpose of God for us to believe, but also as that meaning can uh, can be um, also unpacked as being, you may well have a little footnote at the end of your Bible as, uh, at the bottom of your page, like I've got in mind, may continue to. And here's how that all applies. After we trust in this Jesus as our saviour and Lord because of what he did for us on the cross and we've been thinking about that over the Easter uh, season. It may well be that we're going to face doubts, trials, difficulties from time to time even in the Bible as well as in our world. Obviously Thomas was uh, one of those people who was filled with doubt wasn't he? But think about those things that we struggle with. Suffering. Many of us have been praying for a young woman called Millie. Millie, who's struggling with cancer right now. She's 28 years of age with children. And we think, God, where are you in all of this? Or maybe we're wrestling with issues of COVID or materialism or stress. Some problems we are not going to be able to resolve. That's a picture of Millie. If you've seen that, Millie is uh, second from the left. That's her husband on the far left, Nick. So you've got Nick, Millie, and next along is her dad, John uh, Brain. John uh, that uh, has come here for many, many years um, to speak to us. Capture just the, the youthfulness of that young woman. I think, God, where are you in that then? That, that's a big issue, isn't it? As we wrestle and try to come to terms with these things. Some of these problems we may well not resolve until, like Thomas, we have that opportunity to see him face to face. But we can trust him because we do know that he was raised bodily from the dead. And that fact is attested to by many witnesses whose lives have been dramatically changed when they saw him. So we rest our own faith on that sure foundation of his resurrection. 
I mentioned uh, those verses that were read out at the funeral yesterday, where Jesus said in John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. My frustration was that with all the millions that were watching and listening, nobody explained what that meant or unpacked what that would have meant to the hearers that were there yesterday in their millions. But still, that's a conversation for another day. John wants us, you and I, to believe specifically that this Jesus is the Son of God and then to make that opportunity of making him known. He wants us to believe that the risen Jesus is my Lord and my God, that Thomas then declared. If Jesus is anything less than Lord and God, it would be an awful error as well as sin, wouldn't it, to worship him? If he truly is Lord and God, it would be an awful error and sin not to worship him. This Jesus was the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. That includes my wrongdoing and yours. The moment we place our trust in this Jesus. So we're going to worship him now. What a beautiful name it is. Following a couple of songs... Mandy is going to come and lead us in prayer before then David closes. Good morning, everyone. First of all, I just want to say thank you, God, that we're back here together because it's just such a privilege, isn't it? So let's pray. Dear Father God, We pray to you through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Please speak to us as we pray and help us to know that you are here with us right now. Dear Father, we thank you for your blessings on our nation, that COVID numbers are decreasing and lockdown restrictions are slowly lifting. But we ask for so much wisdom. Wisdom in how to live our lives. Wisdom for our government and other world leaders in the way ahead and to care for our planet. Wisdom for your church and how you want us to do church. Wisdom for those still studying COVID and other serious illnesses. Wisdom for those struggling to make ends meet. Wisdom for those still scared to venture from their homes. Wisdom for our teachers, parents and young people. Wisdom for our NHS. Wisdom in so many other areas that I haven't mentioned. But most of all, dear Lord... Wisdom to seek you, to trust you, and to know you, to know that you are God. The Bible tells us in Romans 10 verse 17 that faith in you, God, comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Jesus Christ. So we thank you, Lord, that you have given us your Holy Bible which is so freely available in this country for us to read and to learn about you and to increase our faith.
Father, for those praying this prayer who want to know you more, please help them to read your word and increase their faith that they may find peace in you. We also pray for healing, dear Father. Healing for our land. Healing for all who are hurting. And healing for some of those known to us. We lift up Millie and her mum and dad, John and Heather. We lift up Charlene, Paul, Ivy and Bill. We thank you for the encouraging news we have heard from Jill, Jean and Julie, all answers to prayer, and ask that you will stay close to these lovely ladies. And for any others known to us, we lift them up to you, Lord. We've been praying for wisdom, Lord, and your book of Proverbs in the Bible teaches us lots about wisdom. There's a well-known passage found in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 6, which we lift to you now, dear Lord, as a prayer. Help us to trust you with all our hearts and not to lean on our own understanding. Help us to acknowledge you in all our ways, and in doing so, you will make our path straight. Thank you, dear Father, for that promise. Amen. Thank you, Mandy, for bringing our prayers to us this morning. Thank you to all of you for coming. It's been fantastic to see you all. Thank you to all of, our, all of you who have joined us online as well. It's been great to have you with us. Thank you. I'd like to give a special thank you to the technical at the back, to Sam, to Andrea, to Rich. I know they've been working with some new equipment, which is always uh, a little bit scary. Thank you to the worship team and to Professor Terence for his input and to David. Was it Roger? I don't know, I'm a bit confused now. (laughs) Roger, or or David, whoever he is, brought us some really challenging questions, didn't he, this morning? I I wonder what you make of those questions. What do we believe about God? What do we believe about the Lord Jesus, this person we read about in the Gospels? What do we believe about these miracles that John records about the Bible? Do these miracles point to Jesus? What's the point in having them recorded here? And if they do, what should I do about it? Is there anything I can do about it? What about those times when doubts and trials and struggling come in? What is the answer to all these questions? John is very clear. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and more than that, that by believing that, you may have life in his name. Or as we've sung... Uh, In one of our songs, I will sing of the goodness of God. I wonder if those are questions that you've asked. I wonder if those are questions you're still asking. If you're struggling with any of those questions, why not get in touch with us? You can find the details on our website. We would love to hear from you. We would love to be able to talk through some of those questions with you. We're going to close in prayer now. Um, It would be great if you could join us again next week. You can find the details on our website. In the meantime, have a fantastic week, and we're going to close in prayer now and bring all these matters before God, the one who writes to us through the Bible, the one who sent the Lord Jesus, the one who wants us to have life in his name. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you that thousands of years ago there were people like John who would record the stories of Jesus so that we can read them today in 21st century Dorchester. But we thank you that they're not just stories, fairy tales, nice stories to put a a smile on our face and a warmth in our hearts. But they are real stories of a loving God interacting with people that he wants to get involved with. We thank you that you are the same God today that you were 2,000 years ago when you sent your son to walk the earth and to show love. We thank you that today you still want to get involved in our lives. You still want to help us to answer those questions, the big questions of life and faith. We thank you that you are still in the business of changing lives, of interacting with us in the midst of our doubt and suffering and heartache. We pray that you would help us as we go out into this week and as we think through these questions, you would help us to say, I will sing of the goodness of God, to believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and to have life in your name. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.